There's only one word to describe the Pirates, and I'm going to spell it out for you. S-A-W-F-T. Soft. We knew that already. Cotts used to get hit all the time and no retaliation. Josh Harrison gets hit all the time and no retaliation. But yesterday was a whole new level of cowardice. Uh, Rizzo from the Cobbs goes way out of his way to take out Diaz at home plate from the blind side after a forced play at home. Rizzo could have easily blown out Diaz's knee or his ankle. It was a really dangerous slide. Legal, very technically by the letter of the rule, it was legal, but it was dangerous. And you know what the Pirates did? Nothing. They did absolutely nothing. Hurdle came out and bitched and got thrown out. But Rizzo batted the next inning and did not get knocked down. He didn't even get pitched tight. In fact, Rizzo even said some of the Pirates said the slide was a good play. If he's lying, that sucks. If he's not... That's even worse yet. This is the Mark Madden Show. After just an awful weekend, I'm finally regrouping. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Or you can follow me on Twitter at X. So now, when the Cubs and Pirates play tonight at PNC Park, Nick Kingham is in a terrible position. He's pitching just up from AAA, and what's he supposed to do? F up his start after the call-up to get even when he's barely been here? When Crick and Rich Rodriguez chumped out last night, yesterday rather? What, the rookie's supposed to get even for the guys who were too cowardly to do anything yesterday? I don't think so. Kingham should just pitch. It's a clubhouse full of cowards. Let them settle their own scores. Seriously. It's not like the Pirates being yellow. It, it's not like that's new. And at some point, that goes back to Hurdle. How could it not? Let's look at that slide by Rizzo. He was way to the left, way out of the baseline. How could you not call it dirty, questionable? One of those words, anyway. It was worse than a takeout slide at second base because it came from the blind side. And Chicago already leads 4-0 at that point. It's not like Rizzo is trying to win a close game. Not that his slide would be any less questionable were that the case. And Joe Madden, spelled O-N, not E-N, the Cubs manager, who is just an insufferable dink, Madden said it was the perfect play and that fans are being taught the wrong thing. But maybe the Pirates agreed because Rizzo batted the very next inning, like I said, and Rizzo didn't even get pitched inside, let alone knocked down, let alone drilled. And then in the Pirate dugout, David Freeze and Joey Cora go after each other and had to be separated, Cora being one of the coaches. It's easy to assume that had something to do with the Rizzo thing, Maybe because Hurdle and the coaches didn't mandate retaliation. But as soft as the Pirates have been under Hurdle, retaliation shouldn't need to be mandated. Rodriguez should have just drilled Rizzo. If Freeze wanted to, he could have rushed the field. 
The Pirates have a dugout full of cowards, and I bet they prove me right again tonight. I mean, Freeze and Cora, I saw that video. I was laughing. Riz tried to take your guy out. Don't fight each other. Go after him. There were similar themes in Game 1 of the Stanley Cup Final last night. Uh, Tom Wilson of Washington hit Marcheseau from Vegas from the blind side. It won a headshot, but it was real late. Marcheseau did return to the game after going to the quiet room for a bit, but it was clearly an attempt by Wilson to hurt a key component of the other team. We know this because he does it all the time. But it kind of evens out because Ryan Reeves got away with a blatant cross-check. He decked John Carlson, and it left him open to score the winning goal right in front. I'm glad to see Vegas win, but now Penn's fans are saying, oh, we should have kept Reeves. Shut the frig up. Reeves is just a goon on a lucky streak. Good for him, but that's all he is, a goon on a lucky streak. He's a below-average player. When Wilson was running amok in the Penguin series, people said, oh, we should have kept Reeves. He'd have kept Wilson in line. Well, I guess not. Reeves was out there last night, and Wilson still crushed Marcheseau. Wilson will not be suspended, by the way. Not even a hearing for that hit. No surprise there. Uh, boy, what a crap weekend. Misery dipped in excrement. Liverpool FC lost the Champions League final to Real Madrid 3-1. Mo Salah, Liverpool's best player, went off hurt after 30 minutes. A bit of a cheap shot there. Two big goalkeeping errors. It was Murphy's game. Everything that could go wrong did go wrong. And then yesterday, Phil Mogg, the singer for UFO, announced that he would be retiring after next year's tour, which mostly won't be in America, which means I'm going to have to go to the UK. And then, no more UFO. Maybe it's time for me to retire. But then what the heck would I do with myself? Get Liverpool FC season tickets, maybe, or go see UFO in Europe. Uh, After game one of the Stanley Cup final last night, Mike Milbury on NBC was more upset about Reeves' cross-check before he scored than he was about Wilson trying to hurt Marcheseau. That's hockey's problem right there. You have this storybook final with the expansion team. And a cement head like Wilson switches the narrative, and a guy like Milbury goes in the wrong direction on national TV. In a nutshell, that's why hockey can't get anywhere. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. we got Sean Rourke, the boss at NHL.com. He's live in fabulous Las Vegas. He'll join me at 3.30. Then Stan Saverin, who is being inducted into the Pirates Media Hall of Fame, will join us at 4.30. Now that's a good news, bad news type of thing. The good news is the induction. The bad news is Stan's being inducted along with that vermin, Bob Smizek. My God, I, I feel just dirty mentioning his name. If, if I were inducted into anything at the same time as him, I would decline the induction. And Gene Collier, I love Gene, but he wrote that 
Smizek was being inducted despite criticizing the Pirates so often in the past. What a blatant fake news that is. Smizek tongued the Pirates' lower crevice so much after a while he could French kiss him from behind. But that's what happens with old guys. They just think baseball is important when it stopped being so in this city a long time ago. Uh, by the way, staying with Bucko Media, Bob Walk, this was interesting. Bob Walk said today that, that Rizzo's slide was illegal, not dirty, but there's no reason for the Pirates to retaliate tonight. And Walk said, and I quote, I want my guys to play like Anthony Rizzo, unquote. Bob Walk is one of the baseball commentators around. He knows a ton about the game. I respect him. I disagree with not needing to retaliate. The Pirates have been so soft so long, and in particular, they've been the Cubs' bitch. The Pirates have been the Cubs' bitch. Remember when they took out Young O'Gung and Joe Madden made fun of it, said it was plantar fasciitis? No retaliation there. The Pirates need to not be the Cubs' bitch anymore. And that means they need to retaliate tonight. Instead of, like they always do, coming up with a reason to not retaliate. Hey, baseball has a silly culture, but that is the culture, and the Pirates have to deal with it. In big entertainment news today, the Roseanne show got canceled. It made the comeback, was getting monster ratings. But Roseanne made a terribly racist joke on Twitter. So ABC canceled the show. You know what this means, don't you? There are now rules for being funny. Rules for being funny. Maybe that's good. Maybe that's bad. But make no mistake, there are now rules for being funny when there never used to be rules for being funny. Again, not hating, just saying there are now rules for being funny. And I hope those rules are applied equitably to all concerned. 412-333. I mean, Keith Olbermann, and his, well, I hate to go here. Keith Olbermann, every tweet is about F Trump, you effing traitorous Nazi, effity F, 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 F. I'm not sure that really does ESPN's profile any good anymore than the Roseanne joke did for ABC. Just saying. 412-333-9939. Sean Work at the bottom of the hour. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Nice talking to you, Mark. Hey, so be it. Kills time. Hey, Mark, big fan. Hey, super genius. How you doing today? Getting funky like a monkey. The X at 105.9. The Pirates have lost seven out of nine, and I'm going to the game tomorrow night. I'll be in the Cambria Club, so please do stay away from me. That's the whole point of the Cambria Club. But it strikes me with the Pirates at 28 and 25, if they lose tonight and then they lose tomorrow night, I could be present at the last game all season when the Pirates are still over 500. And what an honor that would be. So the Pirates have other problems besides being cowards although that's a pretty big problem. They need Doc Ellis to pitch today. High as a kite. 
and smoke everybody like he did in 1974 when he felt like the Cincinnati Reds were bullying the Pirates and he hit the first three Cincinnati Reds, made Tony Perez duck for cover. He was the fourth batter, and then finally he got pulled. But those other bucko problems are great, and they are many. Polanco sucks. It has sucked, dating back to the best part of a year. Ivanova is on the DL, and he sucks on top of that. The closer Vasquez has tightness in his forearm, which is often indicative of a much bigger problem, although he says not. But these problems have simple solutions. Bench Polanco and play Meadows. Replace Nova in the rotation with King. If Vasquez is out long-term, trade for a closer. I'm no sabermetrician, but these solutions seem simple and clear-cut. Meadows played right field yesterday. Kingham is starting tonight, so maybe these solutions are being implemented. Vasquez is kind of a litmus test. The Pirates claim they want to contend, and right now they are. They're 28-25, despite losing 7 out of 9, and they're just two games out of a wild-card spot. So Vasquez turns out to be out long-term, which uh, that's far from being even rumored, but let's just say, well, if they're not lying about wanting to contend, the Pirates need to go get a closer because that's what a contender would do unless they had a legit replacement on the roster for the guy afflicted, which the Pirates do not. Hopefully Vasquez is okay, but that plan should apply to losing any key component. Maybe they could get Rivero back, whatever happened to him. But none of this is complicated, is it? Just play your best guys. Don't worry about Polanco's career or Novus or what you're paying him. All that will take care of itself in the long run. Just make decisions day to day and play your best guys, which the Pirates don't. Always. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. You know what's really caught on with professional athletes? The concept of fake news. After Tom Wilson got Marcheseau with that cheap hit last night, Wilson said Marcheseau got up and said, hey, good hit. No way that happened. That's fake news. And then Rizzo from the Cubs said that several Pirates told him that his slide was a good play. That's fake news. I got to figure. Wilson and Rizzo both lied, but that's what we do now in this country. We lie. We're a nation of liars. Uh, That game last night was exciting, but it had some holes in it for sure. Uh, Neither goalie played a great game. Vegas' speed was very much on display, and no team has ever been more opportunistic than Vegas. How about Vegas's depth? Uh, Keith Olbermann's no hockey expert, but he was on ESPN today with Bob Lee saying that the Oilers should trade Connor McDavid for eight second line players. I'm not sure any team would trade eight second line players for Connor McDavid, you know, as good as he is. Plus, what team has eight second line players? Except maybe Vegas right now, and they're doing just fine with what they got. Thank you very much. How about Vegas gave up a first, second, and third round pick for Thomas Tatar, Detroit? And he's only played six games in the playoffs. He was a scratch last night. Was that a bad trade? 
Or is that bad coaching? Or is that a disconnect between the GM and coach? And the answer, of course, is who cares? You're in the Stanley Cup final. If the Penguins were in the Stanley Cup final, nobody would bitch about Broussard being the fourth line center or whatever. Uh, LeBron James is back in the NBA Finals for the eighth year in a row, and that is impressive. But eight finals in a row doesn't compare to Michael Jordan winning six championships, not even remotely. If you want to say LeBron James is the best basketball player ever because LeBron is bigger than Jordan and stronger than Jordan and a better athlete than Jordan, okay, I'd agree with you. I think LeBron is the best basketball player of all time. But Jordan is still by far the bigger winner. Jordan was MVP in the finals six times, don't forget. Six championships, MVP in each of those finals. LeBron appears to have made losing the final fashionable, and that's convenient because it's going to happen again over the next couple weeks. Uh, Cleveland has zero chance against Golden State, none whatsoever. Now, does losing in the final again, does that burnish LeBron's legacy? I don't know. Oh, uh, did Houston really miss 27 three-pointers in a row last night? My God, that's got to be a record. Let's go to Brian on the north side. Brian, you're on with Double M. Mark, what is it going to take for the NHL to take what happened last night with Tom Wilson seriously? I, I literally think, maybe you could ask Sean and Rourke about this, but I think it's going to take somebody just literally dying on the ice. Before uh, no, it, it'd take two people dying. If one person died, I'm being serious. If yeah. one person died, that seat is a fluke. It would take two people dying, preferably uh, from a hit by the same guy both times. Maybe they'll just run into each other and they'll both die simultaneously. I don't get it. Four one two three 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 ninety nine thirty nine. Oh, by the way, here's breaking news. Uh, ESPN is reporting that. MLB believes interference should have been called yesterday on Rizzo's eighth inning slide at home plate. Both teams have been informed of that decision, which differs from the call on the field made by the umpires. Wow, 412-333-9939. You know, if you can't get replay right, what's the point of having replay if you're not going to get it right? Unreal. Up next, live from Las Vegas, from NHL.com, it's Sean Work on 105.9. Facts. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. You people wouldn't understand that because you don't have groins. You're a funny guy. That is very funny. Don't interrupt me. The X at 105.9. Joining me now, live from fabulous Las Vegas, he is the editor at NHL.com. He's our buddy, Sean Work. Sean, let's forget about the hockey for a second. Where are you staying? What's going on? Uh, we're staying at the Bellagio right in the middle of the strip. You can't ask for more. Landed on Saturday night. Got a message from our good buddy, Brian Slagle. He's like, hey, I got an extra ticket to go see Dice Clay. You want to come? Good start to the Stanley Cup final, I think. No question. And then the, game, the game last night topped it off. What a fantastic game. No, you can't beat Bellagio, but you're right. What a fantastic game. And, and Sean, I wouldn't call Keith Olbermann necessarily a hockey expert, but today he put forth this notion with the success Vegas is enjoying as a first-year team, 
Will it change the way teams are assembled? Will depth now be more important than star power? Well, I think I think it's always been the opinion of the GM that's building the team, right? I mean, the Penguins are a star power team, right? And they've won the last two cups. Uh, to a degree, it's a copycat league. I think if you're a team that hasn't been competitive, you know, you can kind of look at these Golden Knights and say maybe there's another way to do this. Maybe there's a, there's a, a way to have you know ten third liners and a couple of star players because. That, in reality, that's what this team has, you know, and uh, other guys have assumed greater roles. I think you look at a guy like William Carlson, who was buried in the Blue Jacket system forever, whether it was that there were players in front of him, whether it was, you know, bad scouting, a bad uh, prediction of where he was going to be. Nobody expected him to end up on this team and score 43 goals in the regular season. He got a seventh last night in the playoffs, so he has 50. I mean, that's just a guy taking an opportunity that's given to him as a number one center and, you know, running with it. And I think, you know, with the salary cap and, and what's going to happen as you go forward, I think now there's an eye-opening process where, hey, if we have to make a decision, why don't we go with the less regarded guy at a cheaper price and, and be able to have a little bit more depth in our, in our organization and, and see how that works out. I think, I think it's going to be an easier sell to reluctant owners and GMs going forward. Where did Vegas win that game last night, Sean? It was entertaining, but kind of scrambly, to say the least. Well, I think they won it in two ways. They won it with their mental fortitude. They've shown that throughout the playoffs. I covered the third round with them in Winnipeg. Last night was the fifth game in a row that they've scored a goal in less than 100 seconds after the other team scored a goal. That's incredible. You know, the Ryan Reeves goal last night, you know, kind of turned that game upside down. Like, the Caps took the lead, and and they couldn't even enjoy it. Like, it was two shifts later, and the puck's in the net, and all of a sudden it's an even game again. I mean, this team has learned how to ride its emotions and and kind of stay on an even keel. And then the other way they won it was their depth. Look, their their fourth-line guys had three goals last night. All three goals of the third period were fourth-line players. But more than that, they only had one player who played less than 11 minutes, and that was Reeves, who scored a huge goal. The Capitals had five guys that played less than 11 minutes. So, you know, and I, and I think as this series goes on, it's going to become even more telling um, in, in that the depth that the Vegas Golden Knights have used throughout the playoffs have – has kind of given other teams fits, both in matchups and as series have gone on, just in, in sheer amount of time on ice and freshness for the players. Should Reeves' goal have counted because he just leveled Carlson with a cross-check right before? Yeah, you know, I mean, people have made that argument. I was out a little after the game. When, when the games are in Vegas and they're at 5 o'clock, it, even with all the writing that we do, we're out by 10 o'clock. Some people were still out, and, you know, you, you heard some of those conversations. I mean, those plays to me happen, you know, in every game. There's there's contact in front of the net. There's players fighting for pucks. I, I, I personally, I didn't think it was egregious. I didn't see it in real time. I didn't see it until, you know, there was a replay and somebody pointed it out. So, um, you know, I, I don't know that you can wave that goal away because that happened. So um, I'm okay with it. A lot of people talking about the Tom Wilson hit on Marches, so too. Uh, not a head hit, but but a little late. What's your take? It was a little late, and it was blindsided, and you know it, it was a penalty for sure. 
Um, you, you know, the, the goal, I'm at uh, T-Mobile right now waiting for the Capitals to practice, but the Golden Knights are practicing now up at their practice facility. And, you know, Gallant talked about it today, and he's like, you know, it, it, maybe it should have been a major. Um, you know, it, it was borderline, you know, but he didn't have a problem with it not being more. Um, you know, I, I think as a player you need to know where Tom Wilson is on the ice and, you know, kind of make sure that you're taking care of yourself. But uh, it, it was clearly a penalty. Could it have been more? Possibly. Could it not have been? Possibly. I, I, I think, you know, again, it's one of those things where if Vegas had lost or if Marshall Show was, was hurt, um considerably more i think there would be a lot more um conversation about it than than maybe there is now but in, in those situations i generally you know if the grief party says that they're okay with it um i'm generally going to go with that because you know they're the ones that are invested in it the most we're talking to sean rourke of nhl.com he's live in vegas and he's here on the x uh the goaltending wasn't great last night i mean they didn't stink I'm not sure it reflects anything, Sean, but I think Flurry and Holtby were both kind of mediocre. I think they would agree that they were mediocre. Um, this is, like I said, I covered Mark Andre last round, um, and this is the worst I've seen him play, and he still won. Um, a lot of rebounds you don't see him normally give. He fought the puck a little bit. You know, this is the fourth time he's given up four goals in the playoffs. Um, and the first time that he's been able to win one of those games. But I, I think in each of the other times he's given up four goals, he's come back to win the next game. So the thing that impresses me with Mark, just like this team, is the way that they're able to kind of, the way he's able to kind of slough aside uh, rough patches and come back more focused. Um, you know, and, and Braden Holtby wasn't good. He gave up five goals. It could have been a sixth one than one he cleared off the line. Um, and everybody, you know, was like, what a great save. And it was, but the only reason it was a great save is because it hit his shoulder and then bounced behind him. He wasn't square to the puck on that play. Um, he was giving up some rebounds that, you know, were not pretty. So, you know, I, I think both goalies had a little bit of a rough go of it, but, you know, I, I know Mark Andre had eight days off and, and, you know, Holtby had four or five. So I, I think it was a little bit of getting used to the puck coming at you again. And, and I expect to see better from both goalies in, in game two. But, you know, in a way, Maybe not. Maybe every one of these games will be 5-4. I'll sign up for that right now. No, that would be terrific. Uh, have you ever seen a team execute as consistently as Vegas over almost 100 games now? Not an expansion team, Sean, but any team. Their longest losing streak all year was just three games. Yeah, no, it's incredible. And I, Look, a lot of the credit, I think, goes to Gerard Gallant. You know, he sold this team on a vision, and, and they, they've occupied it. And then a lot of it just goes to that mental mindset. Look, they're close enough now that they don't need any motivation. But during the year, they had built-in motivation. In every town they went into, there was somebody, if not multiple people in that room, that said, hey, this team gave up on me. Let's go stick it to them. Let's go and show them, you know, who we are and the mistakes that they've made. And, and other guys, because they're a team, you know, wanted to do that for their teammate. You know, if you went into, you know, Pittsburgh, you wanted to win for Marc-Andre Fleury. Um, you know, if you went into Nashville, you wanted to win for James Neal. Like, they've come together as a team, and I, I think that's been the motivation, and that's why they haven't lost many games at all. Um, so... You know, I think that more than anything is where it comes from. And, and then now they're three wins away from the Stanley Cup, so they don't need any of that golden misfit uh, motivation anymore. But it certainly doesn't hurt. Ovechkin didn't score last night. And, Sean, I hate to put heat on him after just one game because he's had a great playoff. And I thought he played pretty good last night. 
But I feel like Ovi simply has to score if they're going to win. Well, I think that's true, and I think that goes to kind of the depth versus the star power narrative that you were talking about earlier. You know, Backstrom scored. He played well. Um, their depth wasn't very good. Lars Eller was on, on the ice for three goals, and he played less than 15 minutes. Like, you, you can't win that way. Um, I thought Ovi was okay last night. I, he can be better. I think he will be better. Um, he needs to be better if they if they want to be better, and I think he knows that. Um, you know, let's not forget, it was his first Stanley Cup final game, and, you know, it, it's intimidating for even players that are used to the biggest stages. I mean, last night was was a crazy house here. Um, you know, I've covered the Stanley Cup final every year since 2000, plus I covered a couple in the 90s. I don't know that I've ever been in an atmosphere quite like last night. It was, it was complete lunacy from before warm-ups until the game was over. So I think there's a little bit of an intimidation factor for players that are, you know, doing this for the first time and trying to get it under their belt. I think I think Goldie will be better. <laughs> the thing that amazed me last night was when he got hit by the puck and he didn't oh. flinch. Like, it would have knocked other people out. People would have gone to the hospital. It was like he had a little mosquito bite. He just kind of waved at it with his glove and went about his business. Uh, we, we talked about the depth before, and you mentioned, Sean, the tangible upshot of the depth, which is Washington has a lot more players playing fewer minutes, whereas the uh, Golden Knights literally roll four lines. Uh, how will that catch up with the Capitals as the series goes on? I think it makes it tougher to catch up in individual games and ultimately tougher to catch up in the series if it comes to that. Yeah, no, I mean, look, we're, we're the Capitals are at 20 games now. You know, there are a lot of high-impact minutes. Um, you know, they, they try and hide their third-pair defensemen. Um, and so, you know, guys like Carlson and, and those kind of guys are, and Kempney and those kind of guys are playing a lot of big minutes. And, you know, against the good four-checking team, which, which Vegas is, I, I think it does add up. But again, like, just look at last night. Like, when, when Reeves, I'm, I'm sorry, when Noshik scores, Gallant has his fourth line out for an offensive zone faceoff. Like, he's got the choice. He's, he's in his home building. As soon as Barry Trotz declares, he can do whatever he wants. So Barry puts his fourth line out. You put your first line out, right? Great mismatch. Gallant didn't. Gallant said, I believe in these guys. And they scored. And they did the same thing in game, game five in Winnipeg. Reeves scores the winning goal. Uh, Belmare, the center, said he looked at Gallant before the faceoff, and he's like, aren't you going to take us off? And Gallant was like, no, you guys go ahead. You can do it. And and I think everybody cherishes the ice time they have, and they know they're going to have those opportunities, so they make the most out of everyone. I think when you play a lot of big minutes, if you're if you're hemmed in your own end, or there's not an opportunity for offense, you're just trying to survive instead of prosper. I think every time that the Golden Knights go out there, they're trying to prosper because they know there's going to be three more lines before they get another chance. Will the NHL use the same rules next expansion with Seattle or whoever, Sean? And how do you think that the 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 key figures really feel, like the league office, the networks, everybody, about an expansion team this close to winning the cup? Well, I, they are going to use the same rules. They had the kind of State of the Union yesterday with Gary Bettman and Bill Daly, the uh, the deputy commissioner, and they said the rules would be the same. Um, so, you know, I, I think that's the case. If, if you're coming in and you're paying as much money as Vegas does, you expect the same treatment, right? And I think that's only fair. Yes. I, look, fans have issues because they've suffered for so long and they haven't won, and they're like, oh, look at these upstarts. Like, they don't deserve it because they haven't suffered. I, personally, I, I think that's a bunch of malarkey. Um, oh, it's but, jealousy, Sean, is all it is. 
Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And let's not forget, the day after the expansion draft was over, George McPhee could have gone to every team in the league and said, you like my roster? I'll trade with you. I'll give you my <laughs> roster for your roster. Nobody, nobody would have said yes. And now they're all like, oh, it was stacked. It was rigged. You know, they got all the best players. They didn't get all the best players. They actually left players on the table that were better. He picked a team. He didn't pick individuals. So, but I, I, I think, you know, if you wonder how people feel about it, go look at the numbers. Like, go look at the TV numbers from last night. They were fantastic. 44% of the TVs in Las Vegas were on the Golden Knights game last night. I can't go anywhere in the city without people talking about the Golden Knights. And, yes, it's, a, it's brand new and exciting. But what people don't understand is people here have wanted an identity for the longest time other than being a gambling mecca. They wanted something that they could call their own. And this is it, and they own it. They, they, they own it. They, they're proud to be a part of it, and, and they want to spread the message. Like I said, wherever you go, man, you get in a cab, you're sitting at a bar, you're out to dinner, you're getting your hair cut, whatever it is, man, somebody's going to talk to you about the Golden Knights. You know, it's funny. Uh, I don't know if you talked to James Neal since the final started, but, you know, ex-Penguin, and I keep, uh, I keep tabs on him. He was telling me in November that this was a legitimately good team, a playoff team for sure, and maybe better than that. I think he's the first guy to really say that, and boy, it, it certainly did come good for him and for them. Yeah, no, and he's been the guy, when you talk to everybody, he's kind of the guy, him and Mark andre to a degree, that have kind of led the way all along and said, hey, boys, we've been around good teams. This is a good team. We can do things. And, you know, and, and my colleague, Nick Kotzlanika, he wrote a story earlier in the playoffs. Uh, James had a meeting with, with Foley, the owner, but, and he kind of laid out his plan. He's like, we're going to do this, and we're going to do this, and in a couple of years we're going to be competitive. James Neal said, well, why can't we be competitive this year? We, we should make the playoffs. That should be our goal. We should want to do things. And, and it, it came true. And I, I really do think that James's personality has kind of infused this whole team. I think there's a couple of key guys that have really infused the team. You know, Mark Andre, just because of how calm he is when everything's chaos around him. James Neal with his quiet intensity. Nate Schmidt, who is one of the funniest players in the league and, and just, you know, Rebels and everything and, and, and can take away the pressure with being goofy. Um, you know, there's guys like that, Belmare, who's a fourth liner, but is very intellectual and very able to kind of look at things and, and, and put them in perspective. They have some really good, you know, Reeves is another guy who's just, he's a team guy and, and they love him for what he does. He sat out late in the year, you know, and just bided his time and waited to come back. And it's been great for them. They have some guys that are, that really understand what it means to be a team and what it means to win. And, and those are the guys that have kind of fueled this whole thing. Sean, as always, this was great. Thanks for taking the time. Tell Slagle you talked to me too. I don't see that guy enough. He's the best. And I will. I'm going to see him tonight. I'll make sure I tell him. He's the man. Enjoy Bellagio, man. I'll talk to you before the final's over, I hope. All right, good stuff. That is Sean Rourke. Check out his work at NHL.com. He's as good as they get. Ryan Slagle, Metal Blade Records. Big-time metal guy. Sean Rourke's a big-time metal guy. He's not like a UFO guy, though. I couldn't have commiserated with him over Phil Mogg retiring effective next year. I'm glad it's next year and not now. I know I'm, I know, I'm going to get to see UFO again and uh, probably a bunch of times. Like, seriously. I may take leave of my job for like a month and do the whole UK tour. And if I'm kidding, I might not be kidding. 105.9 The X. 
And now the super genius, Mark Madden. No one wants to hear your life story. What do you want to say on my radio show? Hey, yo, Mike. Mark, how you doing? Call me Mike. The X at 105.9. We're going to get into this a lot uh, next hour, but uh, Josh Yoey posted a story on TheAthletic.com about Phil Kessel's future with the Penguins. Let me read the lead, then I'll get into the nuts and bolts a little later. Josh writes, will Phil Kessel stay or go? Okay, I added that part. Josh continues, Kessel has many things. He's a two-time Stanley Cup champion, an offensive genius, uniquely gifted, an anti-hero, a malcontent, a god among Penguins fans, a mystery, and a pain in the ass to every coach who ever worked with them. That final point is the big one, and it is the big one. And Josh goes into detail a bit. It's a great story. Check it out at theathletic.com. I still want you Pirate fans to talk about your gutless team, about how the Cubs made them their bitch once again yesterday and they didn't retaliate then and won't retaliate tonight they've thrown at Kutch for years, they've thrown at Harrison for years and all the Pirates do is blah 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 I'll talk about that more at the top of the hour but I don't know if it affects their winning or losing but you couldn't melt the Pirates down and pour them into a conflict and I'm going to talk about all the opportunities they had last night to get some back and just bypassed. But sticking uh, with the uh, NHL Finals, this from NHL.com, the NHL has seen 18 of its 31 teams make the Stanley Cup Finals since 2005-06, including an expansion team. Different matchups in each of the past nine seasons. Each team has a chance any given year. That's a beautiful thing, unquote. Uh, I agree with that. The NBA national media is happy because it's Cleveland and Golden State for the fourth year in a row because of all the star power. But those other 28 NBA cities don't like it because there's no hope for them, and hope is what every sports league has to sell. The NHL has the expansion team and the star power of Ovechkin, although a big market matchup would be better. Uh, Rob Beertemple of The Athletic, who pathetically supports Everton, tweets that MLB is expected to soon release a statement, RE, the umpire's call on the field, and replay review of call on Rizzo's slide into Diaz. MLB's take is that the umps blew it. Okay, is there any accountability? Will the umps be fined, suspended, kicked in the nuts? What happens as a result of blowing it? The same thing that always happens as a result of an official blowing it, nothing. That Solo movie had a bad opening weekend. The Star Wars prequel or whatever. Good, good, I'm glad it sucks. I'm glad it got no money compared to its budget, which was like 250 million. I'm happy about that. Now somebody think of a new idea. Enough already with the same crap. In 30 seconds, I'm gonna talk about the Pirates being yellow-bellied cowards. Everybody called them the cowards of the county. But they sure do talk a good game. That's 30 seconds away, 105.9 The X.